my self-confident thoughts in my brain are deep identity thoughts of like, I'm a person who can figure things out. I am someone who has value to offer the world. It's like this belief that like, oh, when I speak, it's going to be great. It's a decision that we make about the future with no evidence. It's kind of like, who who gave you the right? Nobody. You have to decide to be self-confident. Welcome to The Other Three Years, a show for anyone who has an Olympic-sized dream they want to turn into a reality. Hi, and welcome to this week's episode of The Other Three Years podcast. This is a super fun episode, which I think I say every week, but it's true every week, so it's fine because it's true every week. But this week is a collab with another bright-sighted podcast, Jessica McKinley's Sincerely Future You is the longest-running bright-sided podcast, which is pretty amazing. So I got to chat with Jessica and she's so cool. She's a life coach and she coaches female entrepreneurs. That's a hard word for me to say, primarily, and helps them, in her words, reverse engineer their life and accomplish their big dreams, which is amazing and iconic. And she just like came out with the bang. I mean, you guys are going to hear it soon, but I was like, whoa, you are so cool. I have a friend crush on you. I would like you to help me reverse engineer my life and accomplish my big dreams. So I hope that all of you feel that way through listening to her. But we talked about confidence and really interesting. She explained like the difference between being self-confident and just being kind of baseline confident and how she's found that like self-confidence in her own life. And our conversation kind of ebbed and flowed, but really just like big goals, how to accomplish them, how to sort of grapple with wanting to have a big life and what that looks like and how you navigate that in like your life experience. She definitely pushed me to explore some of my own thoughts and feelings, which I really appreciate and like pushed me out of my comfort zone a little bit. It was just really great to talk to her. Um, and I think it's going to be a really fun episode for everyone to listen to. Lighter on the rowing conversation, which I think is actually good for the podcast, but still like a lot of rowing and Olympics themes and and all of that. I'm just really excited to have everyone listen to her. And, and uh, I bet a lot of people are going to try to check out her podcast, which is, again, called uh, Sincerely Future You, So, and also on the Bright Sided Network. But before we get into that, here is an update on what's currently going on in my training. So I'd say we are in early winter in Saratoga. It's post-daylight savings. It's pretty cold. The leaves are not really on the trees anymore. It snowed a little bit yesterday. Like, we're getting ready for the holiday season. It's just not quite here yet. So our rows have been a bit chilly. It's definitely cold out. And we're kind of at the boathouse in, like, winterization mode where the kids, the juniors are going into indoor training. We're still outside. We're close to Thanksgiving, which is like the ball is rolling towards holidays, but we're not quite there yet. But I think it's times like this are kind of nice for training because there's sort of a built-in break close by. In your mind, mentally, you're like, okay, I can get to the next um, sort of break point. And I think that kind of from like head of the fish, which was the end of whatever racing season to Thanksgiving. It's like three and a half weeks. And I feel like so far I'm probably halfway through that. And so far I've had a lot of really good training and, you know, there's really no reason I can't just keep that ball rolling. So I feel like the body of work that I'm putting together right now is like really good. And I think last week I had just like a very, wasn't like anything was crazy, but like just a really solid week of training, which just feels really good. Like I'm at full volume. I'm feeling really good about things. I'm performing well, going faster every week. So I think that it just feels nice to be doing the right things. And 
it definitely doesn't feel super sustainable. Like I can't be doing this forever. Last week I was dog tired. I was so tired. At the end of the week, I was like, I am exhausted. But I feel gratification and like satisfaction from knowing that I'm doing the right things at this point of the year. We have a 6K test. Well, some of my teammates are going to a race in Princeton this upcoming weekend. I am not going. So I am doing a 6K erg test on Saturday, which is exciting. I actually, it's really crazy, but I actually really like erg tests now. I mean, they're they're scary, but they're just like an opportunity to try to achieve something that you haven't achieved before. And I think that's cool. I also have, you know, some erging goals I want to accomplish, and hopefully I don't have that many more erg tests in my future, so sort of a now or never moment, and I think it'll just be fun. Like, we've been doing some 2 by 6 ks on Wednesday afternoons at lower rates, and then this test will be open rate, so I'm excited to just kind of, like, put the pieces together and see what I can do with an open rate piece, and yeah, then next week is Thanksgiving, which feels crazy. Like, how is it already Thanksgiving? But it is. Outside of rowing, everything's been pretty good. I feel like I've been having a good time. We had an Orion team meeting to talk about our feelings on Saturday, which was good. And I think it's a good reminder in life to, like, not only talk about your own feelings, but listen to other people talk about their feelings. I think in life, I sort of assume sometimes that everybody thinks the way that I think, which I know sounds like ridiculous, but obviously everybody doesn't think the same way. And I really appreciate the like vulnerability of others to share sort of what are like pressure points for them or what makes them stressed or what makes them happy or, you know, whatever. And I think especially in like a team environment, it's just really nice to know what other people's goals are, but more like how they feel about how they're going to achieve those goals or how as teammates we can best support each other like towards those goals. Orion has, we've sort of come to have these like pillars of gratitude and vulnerability, which I think I'm really proud of Kat for realizing that we are all young women who have feelings and that he has to like recognize those feelings and then try to help us craft those into these ideas of gratitude and vulnerability instead of just sort of okay, but your athletes, we're just going to push aside all the feelings and emotions, sort of embracing it instead of trying to just stomp it out. And then I just appreciate that my teammates open themselves up to those things. And yeah, it's it's nice. I I think that it's been a big change for me to talk about my feelings in a group of people because only recently I started talking about my feelings privately. <laughs> But <laughs> it's it's been good. It's time for my uh, conversation with Jessica. And I think that you guys are all just going to like it so much and hopefully really feel inspired to chase your own dreams and, you know, go after things that maybe you didn't think you could go after. So here we go. I'm Jess, life and business coach. What I share in common with you is that I am always in pursuit of excellence in something right? It's just like, that is That's the thing that makes it all worth it, right? When you have a specific goal by when. I feel like I have just done one thing for a really long time mm. and and people seem to find it impressive because it like has a flashy title, but it's so funny because really the essence of the podcast, right, is that it's an unglamorous way towards a glamorous sort of goal, you know? Right, totally. But it's so funny when I like talk to someone like you, I'm like, no, what you're, that's amazing. I wish that I could constantly have goals and be doing all this cool stuff, but instead I just have one goal. <laughs> I'm super excited to be having conversation with you and I have listened to a few of your episodes. How did you get into being a life coach? I think that the it's so funny. I was talking to my mom about this the other day because on my show, I'm about to record a podcast of like this 
raw conversation with my family talking about what it was like for them when I told them like, listen, I'm going all in on being a life coach. And they were like, this is made up. What is a life coach? And it's it's funny because even I had a similar reaction to it. I think the industry of life coaching is still fairly new and it's such an umbrella term for a lot of different types of ways to work with someone. And for me, what my experience was, how I kind of fell into it was that I was a fitness coach and I was also writing a book on happiness experiments. And I had a blog that was putting out these happiness experiments. And at the same time, I was motivating people to hit their goals in their health and fitness. And I think people were a little bit confused. They were like, what do you charge for your life coaching? I'm so motivated by your social media. And I was like, what is a life coach? I also didn't really know what it was. And so finally, I think it was about the third or fourth person that asked me that. I just Googled it. I was like, what is a life coach? What is a life coach charge? And I was like, cool. Yes. What I talked to the girl, obviously, about her goals and, and what it was that she was looking for. And I was like, that's absolutely what I do. I just am not getting paid for it. And turns out, I said, okay, cool. She's like, send me your contract. I'm like looking to switch from a therapist to a life coach. And I was like, okay, great. Wrote up a contract in 24 hours. The next day, talking to a different friend, being like, hey, yeah. She's like catching up. What are you up to? I was like, I, I'm actually life coaching now. And she was like, that's amazing. That's so funny. I was thinking about switching from a therapist to a life coach. Can you send me your contract? And I was like, I can. And I sent her over my contract and that girl booked. And the first girl that prompted me to officially decide to be a life coach didn't end up signing on. And it just goes to show you, you need to treat your business like a business before it's a business. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that, you know, and now it's been what that was 2015, I believe. So I think eight years ago, since then, I have worked with different niches. And now I'm coaching women entrepreneurs and I have gotten certified and I've just worked with hundreds of people and kind of figured out a way to help people reverse engineer their goals. If someone ex is exciting and they're like, I have this cool goal, like I want to be an Olympian, I'd be like, yes, sign me up. I want to be a part of this girl's journey. And that has been cool. And it's it's led me to meet some really incredibly inspiring women that are just doing things that you don't see your average everyday person doing. That's really cool. If I'm being honest, I didn't super know what a life coach was. And I think that it's one of those things that we should have workshopped the name. Totally. Like, just as a, as a like as an cover. industry, right? I'm like, yes. hey, yes. in the beginning, I used to have a lot of like thoughts and caveats about it, and that would leak into my marketing, and it was very confusing, right? Like I was confused, so I would explain a lot, and I would come across confused. Now I just love it. I'm like, people are like, hey, what do you do? I'm like, I'm a life coach, and I let it hang there because I'm just so clear and confident in what that means to me, usually people are like, oh, like, what is that? And I'm like, well, and usually depending on the questions that I'm asking them, the answer is a little bit different because to be truthful, it's not, it's everybody that I work with has completely different goals and that's okay. We can focus on relationships and on, you know, your positive self-talk and on your relationship with money. Or we can talk about your relationship with time and goal setting and reverse engineering it. And now that I'm working with like just my essential offer as a life coach is, hey, I want to work with ambitious, smart, badass women who want to live a big life and do things that they don't see out there in the world. And those people find me and we just take take a journey together. So I, I'm allowing it to be vague now. Once you really get confidence, you understand that this this works. There is more science to it than just someone giving you advice. I actually don't give my clients 
that much advice. Really, I just show them their own thoughts and how they're getting in the way of achieving their own goals. I just am so impressed with like your confidence and you're like, yeah, I just have a lot of confidence in what I do. And so I can talk about it really confidently, which is amazing. But like, how do you feel like you got there? Because I feel like it's one thing to, I don't know, people tell me all the time that I'm confident and I'm like, that's funny. I don't think I am that confident, but it's funny that you're telling me that I'm confident. Do you know what I, I do mean? I know what like, you mean, right? Like the perception. I think that we might be even talking about two different things. There's self-confidence and then there's confidence. So confidence is a skill that you develop from practice, right? It's probably the thing that you have. Like you're like, okay, I have confidence in my skill and my ability of the field that you're in, right? In the Olympics, you're like, I know because I put in the reps. I just keep doing it time after time. And I have proven to myself that I can be successful. And your brain has evidence and has a proven track record of your own growth, of what's possible for you. And then you can take that, compound it, and see how you could be successful in the future. Like, uh, action and uh, more practice begets confidence. Now, self-confidence is, I think, what you're re- referring to right now, which is this belief in a future and a possibility with zero evidence that it's possible. It's just like... Uh, yes, that's what I'm yeah, talking about. It's like <laughs> if you were to say like, oh, I have the speaking opportunity Friday. Do you want to do it? And I'd be like... Yeah, let's go. Because my self-confident thoughts in my brain are deep identity thoughts of like, I'm a person who can figure things out. I am someone who has value to offer the world. It's like this belief that like, oh, when I speak, it's going to be great. It's a decision that we make about the future with no evidence. It's kind of like, who who gave you the right Nobody, you have to decide to be self-confident. It's a decision. And I think for my clients, right, we talk about one of the main skills that helps people have success in the future is becoming an advanced decision maker, where you're just making decisions about your future instead of looking for evidence to decide if you can or cannot do something. I mean, I feel like that's probably much easier said than done, but Uh, it's, yeah, it's also something you got to practice. Right. But I think what's cool is that if you've done it in, like you have, I'm sure done it in some area of your life already. Can you think of an example in your own life where you really had no reason to believe you could do something, but you just went after it anyway? Um, yes. Going to an Ivy league school. Ooh, I love that. Is a great example, but I also think that, I don't know, I feel like then there's also a line between like confidence and like cockiness. And I think that in, and this could also be like a sort of sport specific thing, but I think that sometimes you see people that get too confident to what I would call cocky, which also is probably not a great word to be using, but like, no, I think like, it's, I think we know what you're talking about, right? Like, <laughs> And yeah, and then you stop working hard. Like, I think that the thing about confidence and sort of believing in a reality that has yet to come Mm -hmm. is also understanding that just thinking, oh, it'd be great if this happens, isn't going to make it happen. Totally. Like, and I think that just finding that line is like sort of what the important thing is. Yeah, being able to think, I can achieve something that I've yet to achieve and I have the confidence in myself to go after that goal is great as long as you then back it up with, you know, the work that it's going to take. Like my, I have a super judgy pet peeve, but people will like sort of, what's a really PC way to say this, not at the level yet, Mm. elite rowers will like write on their Instagram bio, Olympic hopeful. And I'm like, yes, you are an Olympic hopeful, Mm -hmm. but you're like doing this for clickbait, you know, like you're saying something and you're using this term of like Olympic, whatever, to, 
I don't know, quote unquote, impress people maybe? Or I think like, this I'm is not really such sure. an interesting conversation. I mean, I do think that there <laughs> is a clear delineation between self-confident and arrogant. And I think one of the main- Arrogant. One of the main, yeah, cocky, arrogant, same thing though. And one of the, one of the main delineations I make is that arrogance and cockiness a little bit has to do with your belief that you are better than other people versus self-confidence really just has nothing to do with anyone else but yourself. And it's like, oh, I'm the best and we're all capable of being the best. It's it's this general pursuit of excellence against yourself. And of course, right, in, especially in terms of something like the Olympics, like there is a team, you're either going to make it or you're not. So there is obviously that line of comparing yourself and, and, but it's not really comparing yourself to others, right? It's comparing your time to the time that's needed for you and using mm-hmm. the language to help yourself stay in your lane is so key when you get to those like high, high levels, because otherwise it's really easy to put yourself down. So the Olympic hopeful thing, it's like, I'd be like, oh, it's so interesting to me because there's in life coaching, like I said, it's unregulated. So people could say whatever they want about themselves. People could be like, oh, I'm certified X, Y, Z. And there are certifications in life coaching that cost like $50 and literally you take like a 10 question quiz and you're, you can be like stamp I'm certified. And the certification program that I went through was a year long and it was $18,000. It was like college. I mean, I had to go through tests. I failed. I had to have real clients and real feedback and that's not even necessary. I actually had lots of clients before that, but The point is, is that like I see other people out there saying they're a life coach and because I'm just really not concerned about their, like how they're describing themselves. I'm like, "Mm, the results will show at the end. Oh, a hundred percent. A hundred percent. Yeah. And I think at the end of the day, like focusing so much on what other people are doing is obviously not. I'd be like, like helpful. Yes, everyone put Olympic hopeful. If you want to be a hopeful, even if you never make it, I just think it's so cool to like, like you said, like have that, put the eye on the prize, have a prize. But at the end of the day, there's so many people that are telling me too, like, I want to be a million dollar earner. And I look at the work that some people are putting in and I'm like, I just don't believe you. That's the thing. I think that it's really interesting because people say like, this is my goal or this is what I want to do or, you know, whatever. And it's funny because I think for me, it was really hard to say, I want to go to the Olympics. Like, I think because I just didn't see myself there. To me, it was this thing that other people could accomplish, but I wasn't at that level. And so you're afraid if you said it, then what? Then I would fail. And then what? I don't know. It wasn't so much that I couldn't say it. I just couldn't like see it. You know how you're saying like you construct, like literally the first time I met with my sports psych, I go in his office and he's like, all right, let's close our eyes. I'm like, oh no, I'm, (laughs) this is bad for me. Um, No, I actually, um, no, actually I like love him and I, I had to call with him today, but, um, and this was many years ago. So we close our eyes and he's like, okay, I want you to envision yourself at the Olympics on the podium. Like they're playing the national anthem and you just want a gold medal. And I start laughing. Mm-hmm. I'm like, dude, I can't, I can't, I could envision, mm-hmm. I could see the scene and I could see other people there, but I can't envision, I couldn't at the time envision me being there in that way. And now you can. Now I can, but I also understand the work that it's going to take to get there. I don't just think, oh, that'd be cool. Yeah. That that sounds fun, whatever. I'm like, no, I 100% understand the commitment, the work, the lifestyle, mm-hmm. the everything that it's going to take to achieve that yeah. goal. And I think for me, it's interesting because my coach a month or two ago was like, you know what's weird in life? We spend a lot of time constructing 
in our minds, like worst case scenarios, like we imagine bad scenarios. And then as soon as we sort of daydream and imagine good scenarios, we try to like stop ourselves yeah. from thinking that. He's like, but why can't we daydream good scenarios like that? Yeah, and that was we should allow kind ourselves. of what I was, why I kept asking you and why and what then? And you didn't ask, answer the last one because usually the answer to that last question of like, and then if you fail, then what? The answer to that question is why we don't, nothing. is why we don't daydream about the positive. It's because of something that if we say it out loud, it'll actually probably sound stupid, but in our head, it feels really real, which is either some version of, if I say it out loud and then I fail, everyone will see me as a failure versus if I don't say it out loud and I'm failing, only I will see me as a failure and that won't be as bad. No, I mean, I think a hundred percent. I think that it's scary, especially like now and as an athlete. When I fail, it's very evident. It's posted on the internet. Yeah, yeah. Like if I have a bad day at work, everyone knows. It's not like just my boss knew that I messed up and, and I could go and have a quick bathroom right, cry right. and nobody knows. Yeah. Like, no, no, no. Everyone knows. Yes. And there's articles about it and people that I don't know talk about it and can judge and not saying that they are, maybe they're not, I don't know, but like, but they can. And yes. And other people can tell me either that they think I did a good job or that they think like I've chosen a path that puts my work quote unquote, and like my success or my achievement on just a platter for anyone to pick up and talk yeah, about. up for discussion. And so up for discussion. And so like we, whatever, we have a big race in the fall, the head of the Charles, like I, I went to college in badly. Boston. So I know, I know all about yeah. that race. Yeah. The head of the Charles. I mean, I didn't do horribly, but I did not do well. Plenty of people are like, yes, you did. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't need you to tell me. I know. I know that I didn't do a good job. I didn't just say that I didn't do a good job because I wanted you to make me feel better. I don't need to feel better. I'm fine. But it's also not my job to make you feel, you know what I mean? Like I think this is this is so important and I think it's going to be even more important as you get closer to the Olympics because we need to go all the way to the place where we are like, what is my relationship with other people thinking and feeling and talking about me? And it, I feel like what most people who've never worked with a life coach think about this is like, oh, my options are to just like completely ignore it and like put up my defenses and whatever, just like blinder, la la la, la la la, I can't hear you. Or I need to like, toxic positivity it and be like, I know it's okay. I'll do better next time, blah, blah, blah. Or I can be a bitch. Like those are my three options, right? And there is a fourth option. And that option to me, well, so I used to be a singer. So I know a little bit about what you're talking about. Like I would do either a competition. I was an acapella singer, but I was in, do you know that show, The Sing-Off or the group Pentatonics? Yes. Yes. The show that made Pentatonics famous is the called The Sing-Off. And that same year, my group was like in the running. They took 16 groups. We were in the top 20. We didn't end up making it on the show, right? But like the acapella community is pretty small. That's amazing. Like, I knew all the people, right? It, it was like there were articles, totally. There are articles you could YouTube my name and there's going to be like some sort of like horrible like video in the mix, right? And now as a business owner, I realized that I need to get my mind right if regularly I need to self-motivate because it's not just related to my self-esteem. It's related to my money, my clients' results, right? Because like if my mind is not right, it's difficult for me to do my job, right? It's like related to everything. And the fourth option when other people, when you're you're up for discussion, if we're going to use that term, is to make room for people to be confused. And that is like the most neutral and healing way that I've found to approach it. It's like, 
hey, for example, I sent out an email this morning to my subscribers and I chose to share something that had a curse in it, right? Like the F-bomb, right? I I was like, do I change it to freaking? But I was like, it's just not as funny. I was like, this is who I am. Like, I'm irreverent. I think that it'll land better. It was like a tough love moment (laughs) and I posted it and I had more unsubscribers than I've ever had, right? And my brain immediately, like ours always do when there's any sort of negative circumstance on the outside, wants to go like, oh my God, you should have done it differently. Or like, this is just like so bad. What are they thinking? And like your brain gives you all the examples of what they might've been thinking before they clicked the unsubscribe button versus me deciding always in any situation to have my back and be like, there's going to be failures along the way. And also I am so okay with other people being confused about me. And I'm just wondering like if along your journey, if you have examples of a thought that you think other people are having about you when you have a day, like a time, like you had at the head of the Charles. Like, what is the thought that you think that people are having? I don't know if people are like judging as much as like, I mean, I think that I am one of my heart. I am probably my harshest critic. Yeah, we usually are. I think it's more that people don't have all the background info. Like, I agree with you. Totally. You like, Yeah, people don't have all the background info. And yeah, who cares what people are thinking? But it's more that it's not the no name people that I really care about. It's more like my sort of friends or family or whatever. So give me one example of a specific person and a specific thought. Because if you don't give me an example, this this is not gonna it's not gonna work. I won't land. I feel like Christine talked to me about the head of the Charles and was like, "You did great," and I was like. No, I didn't, which is not like she did nothing wrong. She was very nice Mm -hmm. in what she said. And she probably did think I did great. But it's also like, okay, for me to be like, no, I didn't. Do you know what I mean? Like, yes. Both are okay. Like she didn't do anything wrong. To her, I probably did do great. It's such an interesting example, right? So in this case, actually, for your pursuit of excellence, your thought is that people are going to be confused about the fact that I have done well when this is not the standard that I have for myself. And they don't know the background maybe of like what you've deemed to be good or not. And is that okay? Is that not a problem? Like for just recently, I had someone kind of make an offhand comment about like, oh, like, you know, about my life being really charmed which it is. It is really charmed, right? But they do not have the background story to know that I was once a single mom that had no money in my bank account. And now that's just not my reality. So they see my current reality. They don't know the background. But I no longer feel the need to help unconfuse everyone because I'm okay with making room for everyone to be confused because the eye is on the prize, right? Like the Olympics, they're there. I know along the way, I'm going to be too big to be able to have the conversation with everyone who's confused. And you're going to be at that point where there's going to be so many eyeballs on your times that some people are like, oh, this girl, like, and they're going to have thoughts and they're going to be so confused. And you get to be like, that's part of playing big. Yeah. Is making room for it. Yeah. I think you're right. And I think that it's like in any arena of life or whatever, you have no idea what somebody else's like, quote unquote, game plan is. Like we all sort of lightly judge, I don't know, like others, right? Because we're obviously doing like what we think is best. And so, you know, whatever, if other people aren't doing that same thing, or like living their life that way. It's sort of, I'm doing this because I think this is best. Obviously, they're also obviously doing what they think is best. Right. It's like, for example, if you're ever having a conversation with someone who just isn't interested in a big life, it can be just so jarring. Like sometimes when I talk about in life coaching, like one of the principles that I teach is that you can't escape the emotional 50-50 that 
essentially the human experience, you will always experience 50% positive emotion and 50% negative emotion. So then people usually follow it up with, well, if that's true, then what's the point? Like, what's the point in trying to do better? Like trying to like achieve these goals. If you're saying when I get to my goal of making a hundred K or like when you get to the goal of being an Olympian, like a medaled Olympian, you're not going to feel better. Like what is the point? And what I say is that the 50-50, while it is that ratio, the flavors of what's in the negative and what's in the positive are very different depending on if you're pursuing a big life or if you prefer like a comfy, cozy life. And to me, like a comfy, cozy life looks like you're choosing all of the positive emotions on the front end and reaping the negative emotions. So it's like you choose instant gratification, ease, comfort, you know, pleasure. And then on the back end, you are experiencing slow to no growth, maybe some regret, maybe some shame, you know, the results that are not high level, right? And then the flip side of pursuing a big life looks like you choosing the negative emotion actually first. So you're in training, you're choosing challenge and struggle and sacrifice and, you know, fear and judgment. Essentially, you're choosing like to put yourself in all of those so that you can reap the rewards of the positive emotions that are like pride and deep meaning and purpose and true joy and those types of positive emotions. To me, that's the coin that I'd choose any day, but there isn't a wrong answer. Like it's still all 50-50. It's just the human experience. Yeah. And I also think that like, I mean, it's so hard to explain to people that you feel like I try to equate it to whatever, turning 21. I'm like, you turn 21, you play it up in your brain, like it's going to be this big day or 18 or whatever it is. Then it happens and you're like, I am still the same, (laughs) but now I can legally drink alcohol or, you know, whatever I can vote. And I feel like it was the same thing. Obviously, a few things change, but overall you're baseline the same person. Like if you have a really big goal and you accomplish it, I think I thought my life was going to change and Absolutely. it just didn't. I thought like when I hit multiple six figures that I was going to emotionally kind of feel like I made it. Life is easy. All yeah. the confidence always. My clients just love me and just like everything is easier and whatever. And problems are forever. The emotional 50-50 is still there, right? You get to that goal and then your thoughts are, okay, well, I mean, I don't know what your thoughts are, right? But you're still going to have human thoughts that create the same thing of challenge and struggle and sacrifice and disappointment and fear and worry and all of those things still get there. So if that's going to be the case, it really gets back to that cliche of like, it is about the journey. And to me, the point is to evolve as a human. Like my show, my podcast is about becoming the future version of yourself. It's called Sincerely Future You. And it's like, who am I becoming? And in the process of that, you're just blowing your mind. You're like, wow, I just did something that I didn't think was possible. I just developed a habit that I never thought I could have. And that is the point. So even whether you get the goal or you you know, are on the podium or not, pursuing the big thing is the value. When I made it the Olympic team in 2021, I feel like a lot of people were like, oh, well, it was worth it. Mm. The training was worth it. It was all worth it. And in a lot of ways, yeah, they were right. Like I achieved a goal that I had set for myself, which is very exciting. But at the same time, like, I think it would have been worth it no matter what. Like I've learned a lot about myself. I've lived a life that not a lot of, like my 20s was insane in every aspect of the word. Like I've gotten to travel and do things and I've learned how to have no money and like I've worked unglamorous jobs. I, You know, I don't know. There's like a lot of things that I'm very grateful to have had to experience. And But to bring it back, I think a lot of people are like, well, what if you don't achieve this goal? Or like, would it not be worth it? Well, the flip side is not even trying. 
that's worse. That's so much worse. And I think that's just you're either a person that thinks that's worse or – and that I think is the like either you're a comfort creature or you're a big – and it's so funny because I feel like I have described myself as like wanting a big life and people are like, what does that mean? And I'm like – I don't know. Yeah, but I just you do know, know that I want you it. You do know, right? I, like it, it changes and it morphs probably what yeah. it means. And like, totally. Like mine has over time at one point, having a big life to me meant living in Spain and Peru and speaking fluent Spanish and learning that and traveling and being a singer and just like not having a desk job. And then my big life meant becoming a mom and having another greater purpose outside of it. Then it became changing the community impact. But like, to me, anything that felt like I was pursuing something with no evidence to support that I could do it, that lights you the freak up, right? I mean, yeah. And, and I love what you said that the, what people will say is like, all right, well, the alternative to going all in and failing is actually choosing to fail in advance by not pursuing yes. it at all. Yes, exactly. Either way, you don't have the thing. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. I'm like, and it's fine. Like, that's just a decision, which is totally fine, you know? But like, it's fine for them, but it's not fine for fine anyone for that wants a big life. And I think that that is something we need to say out loud because the daydreaming, when you ask, like, why, why are people not wanting to daydream about the positive things? It's that exact thing because they're scared if they daydream and they think about it and they admit to themselves that they want it and then they don't get it, they're going to feel pain. And the truth is, they are because that is the 50-50 version. Also, that's the price you pay for experiencing the incredible emotion that it is to visualize yourself on the podium. Because I get to indulge in and people are like, oh, like, how do you have this confidence to whatever? I'm like, I daydream all day about my future self and how awesome her life is and all the things, right? And then some of those things I have now, but I had to go through some pain to get them. And it's worth it. To me, I said, I'm willing to feel whatever it takes to have my dream life. But if you're not willing to feel negative emotion, it's going to be very difficult to get much more than you have right now. Yes. And I think that you just have to be aware in life that not every day, like I totally agree with the like 50-50 emotions thing. And actually there's this um, Olympic runner that wrote a book that was great. It was called Bravey about her journey to the Olympics. She had this rule of like, in training, you have like a rule of thirds is what she called it. So like a third of the time, things are like really good. A third of the time, they're like fine. And a third of the time, they're bad. And so as long as you're not teetering, like if it's really great all the time in training, you're probably not pushing yourself hard enough. Yes. If it's all mediocre and you're not having any highs or any lows, that's also like, are you fulfilled? You know, whatever. And if it's really crappy all the time, you need to look at what you're doing. Yeah. You need some perspective. But I, and I think like as a, you know, as a team and as, as like an individual athlete, we've talked a lot about that. And it's been helpful because I think as you like ebb and flow through life and like my life is rowing right now. You have to be aware of when you're falling into a different category or if the the thirds are becoming imbalanced so that you can reset and be in equilibrium. Yeah. And that's to like expect the bad days, but not have a whole week of bad days. Realize that something's got to give and you need to maybe prioritize, quote unquote, real life, <laughs> like a little bit more. Yeah. And- And so I think it's just being aware. Yeah. And I think that even the next level of being aware is then also like not making the negative emotion days mean anything about the goal, right? Not making the positive emotion days necessarily mean anything about the goal, right? And I watch that with my clients who are business owners. The ones that I have to do some deep coaching with in the beginning are the ones that are like riding that emotional roller coaster, the entrepreneurial roller coaster in our case, where they're like, cool, I just 
made $10,000 this month. Like I'm having an awesome month. And they're like equating that result to their having their results create their feelings instead of their belief in the inevitability of their goals create their feelings. Like that's actually what it is. And if you have strong belief in the goal, no matter what, then it really doesn't matter when you're having a higher or a low, you're just like, oh, that's just part of it. You can get more neutral about it. And that's where you're going to have more success. When you can like live in that neutral zone, you're like, yeah, it's like when you see a really top, top athlete have a win or like make a sick play and they just like drop the ball and they're like, next. They are not being like, I'm the best because I just, you see that play. It's not about one play. Of course, I'm going to make great plays. I believe in myself. And then when they drop the ball and they have some horrible thing, they're like, get back up. That's what we do. We fail. We eat failure for, for breakfast. On to the next, right? And when you have that deep belief in the further, further goal, then you just get to decide your emotional state and the ups and downs. Yes, while you can feel the disappointment, the disappointment isn't that bad and it doesn't last that long because you're not making it mean, well, obviously I'm never going to hit my goal. It's so funny. I was literally talking to one of my teammates today about this kind of and because another one of our teammates said something to me like, oh, you didn't even seem, you know, whatever, happy or excited about this workout or this race or whatever. And I'm like, first of all, I was, I was happy. I had a goal. I achieved it. Or I had a really good workout. Like I was proud of myself. Then I was saying to Katie, my teammate today, like, what was I going to do? It was just a workout and it was hard. So I was tired. But was I going to like get up and scream? Yeah, let that her be confused, been weird. right? It's like, Okay, cool. Like, this is how I celebrate. On to the next, right? Like, I truly, if we're talking about, like, I don't know, who's your who's your role model athlete? Like, the person you think about in your head who's, like, you're, like, I want to be, like, her. Preferably a woman. Let's get a woman. I'm always, like, my brain is, like, Michael Jordan. But, like, I want to. We have so many men um, athletes, like, out there that as the example. I mean, I obviously think Serena Williams is just Perfect. like Serena iconic. Icon. Love it. Serena Williams. So <laughs> do you think that if someone was like, Serena, you didn't even celebrate that win. Like how, doesn't even give it the time of day. It's like, yeah, this is how yeah. I do. Next question. Yeah. Right. It's like letting yeah. th- just that calm and that like maturity of letting everybody's thoughts and opinions about how we Celebrate or are disappointed, be like background noise. But I will say that, so like last year in 2022, I raced at the world championships. It did not go as well as I wanted it to go. And, you know, when the last race of your season doesn't go the way you want it to go, you're really sitting in that for a long time. It's tough. This year at the world championships, like we finished on the podium, which is very exciting. But I and I feel like I was excited, but a lot of me was like, well, it could have been better. We were almost in second. We didn't have the best race. And like there are new goals ahead. Like we can't really sit in this, you know, what you're saying, like it's just one goal along the way and we need to like move through. And then I sort of had to take myself back a step and be like, this was a big goal that I had for my not even a goal of anybody else's. This was a goal I had for myself and I accomplished it. And I need to reflect on that and like let that soak into me. Otherwise, sort of what is the point of yes, all this? That's like, such a good point. And I know, think that like an, another way to phrase it is like when you believe so deeply in that end goal, then everything along the way, you can use all of those circumstances to your advantage. So when you win, you can celebrate the hell out of it. And then when you lose, you can be like, it's not that big of a deal because you're like, this is all just a game and it's made up and the finish line is made up. I made up my goal and I can do a dance party for signing one client. And I can also be like, ah, like I totally messed that up today. I'll do better next time. And you could just use it to your advantage, right? To celebrate. No, totally. Uh, I totally. I also, I also think all the time about this, like 
whatever paragraph I read in a book once about basketball players, if they're missing a bunch of shots, like really successful players will think, okay, well, statistically, I'm going to start making them soon. Ooh, I love that. But then that. if they're yes. making, if they're making all their shots, they're like, I'm well, statistically, I'm going to keep yes, making my shots. Yes. You just have to frame your life or what you're doing or whatever as no matter what, it's coming up bases for me. Like, and I do that with like wind in rowing. Mm. It's like a windy day. I'm like, oop, this is prime conditions for me, you know? And I just think you have to like somehow cycle your brain to make things into maybe a good scenario for you, but just like a scenario where you're imagining a future that is good. Like, like you said, saying. it's all rooted. I tied it all it's back all there. Rooted in the goal, and it's not like a good <laughs> thought or a bad thought. It's or a positive thought or a negative thought. It's a useful thought. Oh, I could talk to you forever, but I feel like we probably have I to know. wrap Damn, it up. Damn, we'll have to do another episode. <laughs> but this is so fun. I just think it's so cool that you're pursuing something so big. Like I always just think sometimes I have so many goals, and I'm like, part of pursuing something big is that skill of constraint and saying no to so many other lives, like so many other versions of who we could be. And in another life, I'm like, damn, it would have been so cool to be an Olympian, but I'm celebrating your life and being like, she's being an Olympian for me. Yes. Go out there. You're doing it for all of us. So cool. Yeah. It's thank you. I feel like it is a very cool and unique thing. But I think the other thing that's cool about it, and I've kind of realized over the past couple of years, is like there are people doing amazing things all around me, and it's just not the same like visibility. And I think that one really cool thing about going to the Olympics was so many people like told me they were proud of me. And I've tried to like tell my friend and I am equally proud of my friends and family you know like you're amazing and everything you said was amazing and cool are people stopping and telling you that there's oh, no yeah. like people tell me I'm amazing life coach <laughs> I'm, but do you know I'm what just I mean? kidding I <laughs> there's do no, like, I know what you mean right like there's no like life coach day where we all celebrate all the life coach and there should be because we should celebrate other people's achievements more and like realize that we're all being inspired by each other. I don't know. It just really opened my eyes to like celebrating people, not just like when they get married or they have a baby or whatever. Those things are big life things and we should be celebrate them then. But we should also celebrate them for just being the like badass, awesome yes. people they are. Yes. For celebrate so. them during the other three years, right? Yeah. Amen. I love it. <laughs> Snaps all yeah. around. Thank you cool. so much for having me. Thank this you. Such a, such a treat. I love talking to other women out there doing doing big things. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. It was so fun. I feel very inspired. Hell yeah. So I hope that everyone enjoyed that conversation. I know that I did. I think that she is awesome and... It just was really fun to talk to somebody that also has, you know, big goals and big dreams and isn't afraid to have big goals and big dreams. Like, and as a woman, I just, the female power to dream big was amazing. So Jessica and I talked a little bit about Serena Williams because I said that she was a person I looked up to. So I'm going to end the show this week with a quote of the week from Serena Williams. So she said, I am lucky that whatever fear I have inside me, my desire to win is always stronger. So thanks for listening. And I hope you have a great week. See you next time. I'd love to hear from you. So send us a topic suggestion, or if you'd like to submit a question for our Ask Christy Anything segment, head to our website, theother3years.com.